1: Welcome to another episode of Tapeheads, where we take you behind the X's and O's and go deep football. Hopefully, like no other podcast that you're going to find out there. Bob long longtime radio voice of the Jets, also a voice of college football on ESPN. My partner Dan Orlovsky, we work together every week on college football, and Dan is as good at the telestrator on ESPN, as anyone. And Scott Pioli is overseas international scouting combine. We're going to talk to him coming up a little bit later on. He will be joining us as well. But, Dan, you know what? Jumping off point, the most entertaining game of the weekend, I don't think there's any question, was watching Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert duel. It was a shootout. It was a lot of fun. Browns-Chargers. Your biggest takeaway, oh. let's, and let's start with Herbert. Let's get to the positive. before. I know there's going to be a little back and forth we'll have on Baker Mayfield, but if you start with Justin Herbert and the continuing the thing we had last week, this guy's 20 games into his NFL career playing like this. How is he doing it?
3: Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is that you're watching the perfect marriage of a guy who has incredible physical talent. You know, when, when Justin Herbert throws the football, it, it's like watching almost a new-age Carson Palmer throw the football. I mean, the ball just comes out of his hands spinning at such high velocity rate. Everyone knows six foot five, 230, 240 pounds. So this big physical specimen. And I kind of talked about this a little bit back last week, Bob, and, and it kind of showed up again this past week. He has zero fear of negative consequence. And that's not something that is Common trait with a guy that's highly intellectual. You know, a guy that's highly intellectual usually is somewhat cautious with the football, is somewhat reserved with the football. He has zero fear of a negative consequence because he has such high belief in his own ability to make these certain throws. Um, I, I think what you're doing you're watching is a young player that understands coaches got an unwavering belief in him that coach is going to be ultra aggressive and it frees them up to not force the football in certain situations to not, I got to fit this throw into this window in the first quarter because it's second and seven, you know, and when you can play to that style, that allows you to be kind of, um, in a mindset of playmaking. And I think you saw that, that third and five play in the game where he scrambles out to his right late in the game and he throws the ball to Keenan Allen. It's actually perfect coverage by Cleveland. And it's just a more perfect throw. And there are moments when they scheme stuff up for him and he hits it and it's easy. And then there are moments where they say, Justin, you've got to go make a, a special play or a perfect throw. And he does that. And the consistency that he's doing it at right now is is pretty special. And Scott, when you think about Justin Herbert
1: and the confidence that this coaching staff has in him, right, we were talking just before we came on that the Chargers right now, whether it's analytics whether it's just faith in what they've got as a team, their coach, all of it, I guess, kind of in the same, you know, pie that they've baked. Like, they're like that high school team I read about in Nashville that goes for it all the time, right? They, they're at their own 20-yard line, fourth and five. They go for it. They went for it four or five times in that game on fourth down, where all logic said, punt it, kick a field goal, play field position, don't overreach here, you're in a close game, and every single time Justin Herbert converts.
4: Yeah, and I'll tell you what, they are better people than I because uh, I could never <laughs> rely on analytics that much to take that risk. And and the fact that it's working, it's reinforcing that, it's encouraging them. But I really hope that the real reason is, you know, there's this old saying, you know, in critical situations, think of players, not plays. And I hope that they're just thinking of the fact and, and realizing that they have someone who's one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League right now at this moment. Right. I know it's five games in, but at five games in, that's what it is. So uh, it's I'm really surprised that they're doing it. Um but I'm not because it's working, and and until they're snake. But I mean, what what the heck? Why would you stop,
3: mm. Scott? It, it kind of makes me think, and Bob, you will know this as well. Two things when it comes to their, I, I guess, the fourth down aggression. Number one, it's almost like when you're playing golf with your buddies, and you have the rule if you're playing like match play, down two is an automatic press. It's almost like they get into a um, a mindset. Hey, if we're in this game, if we're down 14 and we get to the third quarter, we're automatically going for it on fourth down. And because we're watching the Browns offense – one, that's their style of play. Get the lead and run the football. So if we get down two scores in the second half, we have to try to steal possessions, so to speak, because we can't make up the time and points. So it's that mindset that they have almost like a line of demarcation. And then I really think, again, tied to that situational stuff, that they are taking their playbook and going, okay, first down is going to be a free down. We are we are not... We There is, there is no kind of call sheet that we are going to put this under. This is the free down situation. We might be crazy aggressive. This could be trick plays. This could be our shots on first down. And then when we get to second down, then we're going to go to our first down call sheet. That second down call has no impact from what happened on first down. So they're taking second down and making it first down. They're taking it third down and making it second down. And then they're taking fourth down and making it third down. And I think it's just like that unique philosophy. Cause if you watch the game and those first down calls in the second half they look different than the first down calls in the first half and the, th- the fourth down plays are often from their third down kind of call sheet grouping and i really think it's interesting the way that brandon staley is approaching that for their offense
1: yeah that's fascinating to manage the game that way um yeah, ahead, because
4: it's no it, because it's a completely different way to manage the game because you're simply it it's this complete shift okay we have three plays to get 10 no We have four plays to get
1: in, and that completely changes the play calling. Yep, Flipping it around to the Browns, though, I mean, we'll talk about Baker Mayfield, talk about the end of the game, and, you know, the quarterback always becomes the focus. But if this is going to be a playoff team, and they certainly look like on both sides of the ball, they've got playoff talents. I know what drew your attention from this game was their increased... You know, relying on their physicality and how they can go big and they can run it. And that only, I would think, would have to help Baker Mayfield as the season goes on.
4: Yeah. And they did that last week, the week before as well. When they turned the game around in the second half, it's when they went big and sometimes it was three tight ends, sometimes it was two tight ends and an extra tackle. They did the same exact thing in this game. And they were, you know, moving the ball so well. And it's almost like a mentality that, we're going we're gonna to stick with you. We're going we're, we're gonna to play you hard. But in the fourth quarter, end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, it is going to be punch for punch and here we go. And it allows them – it's almost like they were doing it so well, they were scoring so quickly, right? Usually the running game will eat <laughs> up clock, but they weren't eating up any clock. And they roll in with the extra tackle or the three tight ends and they just say, hey, here's what we're going to do and here we go and they go and do it and they it's been so productive the last 2 weeks but it's also you can tell that it's become a mentality
1: with the team as well as far as baker though is concerned dan yeah you know what i mean look they scored 42 points right so that should be enough any quarterback at the end of the game if he hands his team 42 points of offense should be able to say guys like can we get one of those fourth down stops can you maybe not give up 47 but at the end of the game You know, the the third and 10 run call, the inability to do anything with the last minute and a half or so beyond get the ball to midfield for a Hail Mary, how much of that falls on Baker? And is that still a shortcoming of his to be able to finish off a game he has to be able to finish out?
3: Yeah, Bobby, my response would be that you're you're trying to look at things and be fair. Uh, Playing quarterback in the NFL is not fair. Being the number one pick in the NFL draft is not fair. And that's a reality I think Baker accepts, but that's just the truth. And so, yes, scoring 42 should be enough unless you've got the ball with a buck 50 and a two minute chance to go and, and at least tie the game, if not win it. You know, and and my point since that game has been Baker Mayfield has proven he has checked the box of I'm really good. Baker's a really, really good player. You do not enter rarefied air elite air in this league until you have moments when you have to be the reason your team wins the game. We won the game because of you. Okay. There are players in this league, Justin Herbert, obviously Tom, we saw Lamar Jackson on Monday night football that you go, "Eh, the team won the game because of that guy. And that has not happened this year for Baker Mayfield. That's me being fair. Chiefs week one and this past week against the Chargers. He had the... Do I think he can? Absolutely. Do I think that he will? Yes. But until he does, that's why you get that third and 10 situation and they're down or they're in a tie ball game and all of a sudden they run the football on third and 10 backed up and I'm going, what in the world are you guys doing? Because that is basically going, we're not going to go get this first down. We'll punt it away. And um, until he kind of rises up, and especially in those moments, that's going to be the question that follows him for the rest of the season.
4: You know, Dan, I want to comment on that real quick, please, Bob. Also, to me, the elite quarterbacks that I've seen when put in a situation like that, they hear the call, they know what the call is, and they find a way to do their own thing. They make a check at the line of scrimmage and they take over the team. A number of people felt that, That's not what should have been called. They should have done something else. And that was a chance at a moment for Baker. The other thing I want to talk about is what I'm really looking forward to with the Browns, and I think something's going to help Baker significantly, is going to be when they go to that big and they figure out some sort of passing game off of that, some sort of play-action pass that allows them to, you know, finding play-action off of that is going to be good for the passing game, but it's also going to help the running game a little bit too.
1: Well, since we're on quarterbacks, and I'm still trying to shake off the fact that Dan was looking right at me when he said over and over again, you know what it's like to be two down and have to press. I'm not sure why (laughs) we made eye contact there. Yesterday? Yeah. (laughs) All weekend long. Um, When you're on the topic of quarterbacks, it's hard not to get to the Bills and the Chiefs. Mm. And that's what we're going to do next. You know, it's a regular season game. But did the Bills exercise the demons against the Chiefs doing it in Kansas City as well? Plus, how are the Cowboys seeming to improve every single week? That is coming up next when we come right back on
0: Tape Ed's. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower...
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can work from the
6: road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi.
1: All right, back here on Tape Dan Orlovsky breaks the tape down at ESPN, crawls behind the X's and O's from a player standpoint. Of course, Scott Pioli does the same from a GM standpoint. I'm Bob Weschusen, and guys, there is so much to dig into with Bills Chiefs. That, to me, was the other really interesting game from this past weekend. If that was the AFC Championship game, no one would be surprised. Having said that, though, we talked about whether or not it's fair to ask of your quarterback, be the guy that goes out and wins the game for your team when they need you to the most. Maybe Baker Mayfield isn't doing that. Are we ready to put Josh Allen on on the level of quarterbacks that is? And why is he so impossible to defend?
3: Yeah, we are. I I think Josh entered into that conversation last year, you know, over his last 20-plus starts. Um, If you go back and watch this game, this is the thing that I love about Josh where he is right now. When Josh plays within structure, what does that look like? The touchdown pass to Emmanuel Sanders, the first one. Josh does an incredible job. He sees single high safety. There's two receivers to his left. One of those receivers is going to have like a deep cross, crossing from the left side of the field all the way to the right. And then Emmanuel Sanders is in a reduced split, meaning condensed closer to the football, corners off. Emmanuel Sanders' route is going to be widen on his release, press the corner like he's running an out route, just quickly with two steps, and then cross-face to a post. So it's like an out-and-up, out-post, depending on the corner's leverage. Josh knows, okay, I got to trust that Emmanuel, given the leverage of the corner, is going to win. The route will win. The only other person that could potentially take the play away is going to be a safety that's in the middle of the field. Josh does an awesome job of catching the snap, and not only taking his eyes, and I talk about this with quarterbacks all the time, he doesn't even just only take his eyes to the right to move that safety. He takes his whole body. He he aligns his shoulders, his helmet, his eyes, his feet, everything is selling to that free safety. Hey man, I'm throwing the ball to the right, opposite Emmanuel Sanders. And then he comes back, hitch-hitch in the pocket and throws an absolute howlitzer, because if he puts too much air in it under it, it goes out of the back of the end zone. When Josh Allen plays in structure like that, when he does the why and it results in the what, and he's allowed to be creative, the Dawson Knox touchdown where he scrambles out to his right and he throws the ball over Sorensen's head. When he does those two things, he can be as good as any quarterback in the NFL, as good as any of them. And, And what you've seen really since week one is the consistency of this, the consistency. Yes, the creativity and the playmaking is special. That will always be there. But that married or tied with the operating from the pocket and playing within structure and then the talent showing up, he could play with anybody at that position in the whole league. So, Dan, I'm listening
4: to what you're saying and and a little bit of quick background here. So I talked with Brian Dayball, who I had worked with for, for a number of years, both in New England and Kansas City, at the end of year one for Josh Allen, and he talked about What I mentioned a couple weeks ago, the difference between work ethic and work habits and how people with good work ethic need to develop good work habits. That Mm -hmm. was one of the things that he said that Josh had to do. He was willing to be there. First guy in, you know, that whole first guy in, last guy out. He was all that mentally, emotionally, physically – But the points that you just made are exactly some of the things that Brian said that he had to work on. The things that he's doing better now and the things that he's able to do that were some of the right work habits and working on some of the the nuance, for lack of a better word, is exactly what he had to work on to improve. One of the other things, he had to know when to take a little juice off the ball, right? That was a big Mm -hmm. thing his rookie year. Things that were short-sailed a little bit or they came in a little too hot – he has worked on all of those little details and the, it, it, everything that you mentioned. You must be talking to Dayball, too, because that's exactly <laughs> – those things that you were saying are, are the things that he's improved on or that he's doing so well now is exactly what he had to work on.
1: What about the other side of the coin, though? The opposing quarterback in this game. Yeah, I mean, I never thought we'd be talking about Patrick Mahomes with the rookie quarterbacks in terms of through the first you know 25% or more of the season – being among the league leaders in interceptions. Right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars are the only team in the NFL that has a worse giveaway takeaway ratio than this unstoppable, perfectly coached, perfectly executing, you know, freight train of an offense that was bound to be in the Super Bowl every year, Kansas City Chiefs. How worried should I be if I'm a Chiefs fan, or is this something that is very fixable and they'll get back to being the Chiefs before too long?
3: I think it's fair to be worried. I don't think you have to freak out because you still have 15. Now, uh, buckle up because I'm going to have some stuff here. Number one, <laughs> and it's my job to do this. I, I like when you say that. Yeah. Patrick Holmes is just not playing a high level of football right now. He's not. I love the kid. I think he's incredible. He's not playing to his standard of football right now. That is the what. My job is to figure out the why. When you watch that game and then rewatch that game, All I continue to hear in my mind is he looks like a quarterback that's trying to score 21 points every time he drops back to throw the football because he knows his defense is so bad. And there's that pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing. And there is that saying that is a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's a truth is you take what the defense gives you. And there are multiple moments in that first half where there is a receiver standing outside five yards down the field at the sideline and the corner is falling off and the inside defender is playing match coverage or carry coverage and it's there and he's not throwing it. And so the question is, well, why aren't you doing that? And this is a, a educated guess, but I just think he's trying so hard to make up for such a bad defense. Now he can't do that. He can't cause it's hurting him and it's hurting his team, but that's what it looks like. I will say this, um, I think the Chiefs really need to critically look at who they are when they play against really good defenses. Because the Bills did an incredible job of playing too high safety, but then they played Tampa 2, which is strictly zone, all eyes in the quarterback. And then they played match coverage, which was underneath. It's very similar to man. And then it's two man where they play a certain leverage. So it wasn't just this boring zone coverage, but they stayed in those too high shell for a long time. And at some point, the Chiefs are going to have to, when they play teams like the Bills, they're gonna have to put on their chin straps, play big boy football, bloody their noses a little bit, and play indifferent of their identity until because you have to run teams out of that shell. You gotta force teams to get out of that too high safety shell. And until the Chiefs do that, I think Patrick is gonna have this mindset: I gotta score so many points.
4: Yeah, Dan, some of what you mentioned, uh, I absolutely see, and, and what I saw was some of the short and underneath stuff that has been available that he hasn't gone to. And I've tried to figure out why that is. And to me, that's one of those things where he's still a young ball player and he's still learning. He has to be reminded and coached to do those things. But I also feel like I'm in the place. And he's got me so seduced as a football player that I'm like, okay. this is this is going to be the week he throws a switch. Yeah, he's had problems, but I just see him as being so good, so talented, that he's just going to flip this switch. And I, I think he's capable of it. I think it's coming. But the last couple of weeks, I, I, it just seems like it's not just Patrick Mahomes. Something is off, and I can't figure it out. You know, team-wise, yes, the defense is struggling. The special teams, they're not making anything special happen. It's, um, I can't sort this team out right now. I don't, you know, some people have wanted to say that it's a a matter of arrogance or hubris that they, you know, that they're smelling themselves. I don't see that. I I, I really don't. Um, I don't think Andy Reid would allow that either. So I'm just trying to sort this out. One of the other things that's hurting them is that they have – I don't feel like they've been able to establish a running game. And there's no other fear. And no matter how great of a quarterback you are, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, we can go through the list of when – no matter how great they were, there were enough teams that were good teams that were not only built to be as good as them, but they were built – to play against those specific players, right? When you're building a team, part of what you do is you want to make sure that you can beat the best teams in your division. But then we were always thinking, okay, once we win the division, how are we going to beat the Colts, right? When Mm -hmm. I was with New England, how how are we going to beat Peyton Manning? And you start to build your team that way. And I think some teams have done that. They're saying, okay, here's the class of the league. This is what we're going to have to do to beat the class of the league.
3: And, Scott, touching on that because – establish the run game so the chiefs run a ton of rpos the run pass options that was invented to take advantage of zone defenses and that's what i want our listeners to really understand is while the bills played of a ton of at least starting point zone defenses once that ball got snapped it didn't look like zone defense those defenders the linebackers the nickel the corners they had man type of principles. That's what when I, when I say match coverage, and that's why the and the reason that they could do that is that defense again. The Bills give up three point seven yards per carry when they play zone shell three point seven. So they're not scared of you to run a football, and and so the the run pass option is awesome. But the Chiefs have become so married to it, and if you are going to play a team like the Eagles that are going to play your traditional zone, meaning defenders eyes on quarterbacks you're going to gut them. And that's exactly what happens. But when you play a defense like the Bills, that is going to play zone until really the ball gets snapped, so to speak, or someone comes into that zone and then they match it. Well, the the RPO is minimized. At least its impact is minimized. That's why we've seen the infusion of college defense into the NFL. And that's when I say, you're going to have to go, all right, we got to run them out of this if you're going to play with six guys in the box to our six, or you're going to play seven to our seven, we got to put our quarterback under center and we got to put two tight ends on the field. And we got to just play a physical brand of football until you choose to bring that other safety down until you say, all right, we're, we're giving up six a clip. We got to get somebody down an extra body down to the football. I think it is such a mentality for the chiefs more than a, can we, I I think it is more of a, we need to do this more than can we do this? And I, and I, Andy Reid's incredible. I think that is something him and Eric Bienemy need to look at it the next time they play the Bills.
1: And the Chief defense giving up seven yards a play. I mean, is you that brought bad? that up earlier. Like, you can't, yeah, you can't do that, right? Yeah. Like, he just, that has to get better. We could talk about Patrick Mahomes and their weapons and Andy Reid all we want. Until their defense plays at a different level, they're going to have a hard time. Now, there is a team that just keeps on playing at a higher and higher level, seemingly every week. That is the Cowboys. We're going to talk about Dak and Zeke and the machine that is that offense when we come back. And also, I have a really football nerd ball question to ask you guys, because this is where I get to ask it. I love it. Or Like this is the podcast where I get to go full football nerd and see what you guys think. So when we come back, we'll do all of that on tape.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,
2: I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win
0: a one-on-one yeah I, Yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like You see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's going guard, and then on I'm top of that. like that, see that?
5: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell, to Point Game. I remember you came out my room crying, tears. <laughs> crying, I mean, he was in a culture
4: shock.
0: and he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs>
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can work from the
6: road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi on a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required.
1: Prescott in the gun. They blitz him. Prescott throws it down the right side for Lamb. Caught it! Ten, five, dancing in, touchdown! Man in motion, fake the fly sweep, fake the pitch, toss it right to Elliott, walk that dog right on in, walk him in, high Sanders strut, touchdown Elliott. Dak and Zeke and that Cowboy offense, they are a machine. We're back here on Tape Bobble Bob Oshusen with Dan Orlovsky and Scott Pioli. And guys, watching that offense against the Giants... Look, the Giants right now, it, its that's a hard barometer, right? Like it, It's like one of those Nature Channel shows where, like, you've got the wounded animal and the cheetah is, <laughs> right? I mean, it's got no chance, and you just know what's coming. So, But the Cowboys are putting up these kind of numbers every week on these teams, and they seem to get more and more efficient and better and better. Dak seems to be right now top of mind for the MVP conversation. What do you have to do to derail this group? Is there a way
3: schematically mm. that you can play them to slow them down? I would say the Cowboys offense, number 1, when they pull people in their run game, good luck. It's as good as the Cleveland Browns if not better. When they pull those they'll pull a guard in a a guard front side and a guard backside or the center and the tackle, it is a brutal play to defend. Um I think the number 1, it is old school. You have to match their physicality. I don't think a lot of people can. Candidly, I just don't think a lot of people can. Number 2, I think the only chance that you have to slow them down is to change pressure their heads off. I would change blitz them. I wouldn't pressure them, meaning I'm bringing six or seven guys and kind of playing low in numbers on the back end. I'd bring backers from one side and drop defensive ends from another side. So I I think the Giants had a little bit of success with that and getting to Dak a couple times, but I think that's the only thing to do. And then speaking of their defense, when they put Micah Parsons up into the line of scrimmage, you got to figure out how you're going to handle it, man. I know I said this last week, but it's it's that is the the big issue with this football team is it both in the run game and the pass game, and they're creating so many negative plays out of it. As a quarterback, if your wide receiver does not have elite ball skills, elite, you have to stop throwing at Trayvon Diggs.
4: Yeah, and I'm not gonna the one point I'll mention about the offense, Dan, that you mentioned is the physicality, and each week they are becoming more and more physical. It's up front. But it's also this confidence. It starts with Zach Martin and and the rest of the offensive line. But even Zeke is running the ball differently. Anyway, the defense. To me, this is what I see is the, the difference with the defense. I, you know, I worked with Dan Quinn in, in Atlanta, and he was the head coach at the time, but obviously had his hands deeply in the defense. And he had this saying that it's all about the ball. Everything is all about the ball and respect the ball. Everything was football-related, meaning the object of the football-related. And what's happening right now is this Cowboys defense is taking the ball away the second most of any team in the National Football League. Conversely, because their offense is taking care of the ball so well so they're second in the league in turnover ratio so what they're doing right now is the defense is getting the ball the offense is capitalizing on it and to me that's been one of the biggest changes in the defense the fact that they've got players that fit dan's scheme they're no longer trying to scheme like they have been in the past with players that don't fit the scheme they're building the roster on the defensive side around dan's scheme and they're going after the ball and it's a huge difference
1: All right, guys, here, we're we're tape heads, we're football nerds. This is where I go full football nerd on you. I want to ask you guys a question because I called the Jet game this past week. It's specific to that game, but it's a wider ranging question about analytics and the clock. And I see this happen all the time. So, two minutes 15, two minutes 20 seconds to go, Jets have the ball down by 10. Two timeouts, they've got the two-minute warning. And what I always see in this kind of a situation is a team needs a touchdown and a field goal, and they seem to obsess on getting the touchdown first for some reason. Without necessarily thinking wider angle lens, how much time do we need to get both And so often, they're down at the 15-yard line, and the Jets were. They were within striking distance of getting a touchdown, but they took the clock all the way down to where there was 20 seconds to go in the game. So now even if they get the touchdown, it becomes largely irrelevant because they don't have time for an onside kick, get the ball back, kick a field goal. They're now out of time. I'm wondering, and Scott, you have lived in this world of analytics, when does the discussion take place to do something illogical, right? (laughs) Like— What on the surface might seem weird to a football fan, where we see teams go for two in the first quarter all the time, or when you're down 14 with five minutes to go, score a touchdown, go for two. We see teams use analytics there. Why do teams not have that mindset of get to the 30-yard line with a minute and a half to go in the game, even if it's first and 10, boom, kick a field goal. Now I've got a minute and 20 on the clock where if I get the onside kick, I actually have enough time to maybe go get the second score. But so often it seems they don't think sequentially. They just get obsessed with, we got to get the touchdown first. And I'm wondering, Dan, you practice this. I mean, obviously yeah. teams, you're a quarterback. In the, this is what you do, right? You practice situations. And Scott, you talk these situations through all the time behind closed doors. Is that a situation that gets talked about? Am I kind of off my rocker that it seems like no, teams mismanaged that No, you're not off of your times? rocker
4: at all. But here's the big thing to me is you can talk about it all day long. You can practice it half speed three-quarter speed full speed in practice and when you're a coach particularly a young or first year head coach and you are the person making the decision in the circumstance right it's context we've talked about this before you know there's a lot of really smart quarterbacks out there who can do things at a certain pace but to be able to make the right decision under duress while getting hit in the mouth um, it's a little mm-hmm. bit different. It's This is the head coach's version of that, right, where they've got to make these decisions real time right now. No, and there's a crowd. There's energy. All of a sudden you realize – you can practice this stuff all you want, and then you're going to be able to do it in the game or not. You know, I just a quick story. You know, Bill and Bill, the two Bills who I worked with for years, they used to practice this stuff all the time, and most of the time it worked out well, which gave us success. You know, I go back to this play. There was a play that we practiced, in, and back in 2003, you know, we were down by one. To the Broncos, it was a Monday night football game, and we were too deep in our own yard. We intentionally snapped the ball through the end zone, and every player on the sideline knew exactly what was going on. Took the safety, put us down by three, but because the field position was so bad, we wanted to make sure that we were going to be able to kick it back to them. We ended up punting. Kenny Walter punted it, boomed one. They bobbled. They muffed the punt slash kickoff, and we stopped them three and out. Got the ball back, better field position, scored a touchdown to win. Now, wow. that had been practiced. And, and everyone was like, what are they doing? We literally snapped it through the uprights, Lonnie Paxton. And the thing is, you can practice that things like that all you want. And then it's how is the coach and how is the team going to respond in that moment, Bob?
3: Hmm. I also think, Bob, so I love this this conversation, this topic. Um, I'm not somebody who has been – I'm very new into the analytics world. I'll just speak from a player's perspective somewhat. Like when you can have your plan. All right, we get down there. We're down 10 and or down 11. What are we going to do? I think the number one thing you have to, because I do believe in all these situations and maybe the analytics people can help me learn a little bit more is the context of who we are and who we're going against matters as well. How is our offense playing when we get down there? Have we just scored on two or three straight possessions? Is the defense reeling like it was in the indie game? You know, when their defense had no chance to keep up? You know, so what what is the pulse of how we're performing? And does that determine, okay, let's take our kick here at 30 seconds, or do we continue to push to try to get the touchdown? Because obviously everyone knows to get the field goal, it should be easier than to go get that touchdown. Who's left on the defense? You know, how, how's the defense playing? Is the defense awesome in the 20 to the 20 defense? And are they terrible in red zone defense or is it vice versa? Are they great in red zone defense and awful in the 20 to 20 area, you know, so that again, factors into my mind. And then I also think who you are as a football team. Do you have a guy that we can just throw a jump ball to, so to speak? You know, can we take one or two shots at a, oh my gosh, DeAndre Hopkins type of player? Um, Who's my quarterback? Is he a guy who can go create and and open up windows? What's my kicker like? You know, because again, if I get the field goal, either way, I'm going to be dependent on going to get that onside kick and so is is the kicker like where's where's the area of the field where i know my kicker is basically good basically if we get this to a 40 yard or inside kick sure is that you know i think that factors in as well um and so i think i just think there's so many variables that you have to know your team so well in that moment and be so prepared for it and i think that is something that you can have a plan, but that plan can change depending on what's going on in the football game as well.
4: Dan, that's 100% because it, everything is contextual, yeah. right? And the circumstance and the health of your team, who's hurt, who's not. Like, you know, I the whole idea we talked earlier about going for it on fourth down, not every fourth down is the same. Not every fourth and three is the same. You know, where are we? How healthy are we? What, you know, what is their health like? So there's all the... the Dan, you nailed it, and that's something we used to talk about you know in terms of we believe in the analytics, and then the analytics you have to be put into yeah. context and circumstantial to the moment
1: now that's awesome. see that's why I ask nerdball football questions to you too, because I know I'm like in my world here I've got people that are as nerdy <laughs> as me, but that's just that is the perspective that is so awesome to lend to a moment like that. The only analytic I know is if I need two scores and I get the first score and there's 12 seconds left on the clock, that's a bad analytic, right? Like now I know that that's not going to work out in my favor. So that, that was kind of where I was coming from on that. Hey, before we wrap this episode, real quick, Scott, speaking of being a football nerd, you are in a awesome football nerd place right now, right? Like tell us where you're coming from and what you're doing. It's really cool. I am live from London right now. It's, it's really pretty
4: cool. So the NFL, um, the NFL international program has become very big and The International Player Pathway Program, the start is right now. We had today the uh, 43 players from around the world, and we had our international combine. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a separate combine in Mexico because the players that we have as prospects in Mexico because of COVID restrictions could not make it to london they not we're not able to so what we do from here is we select a group of players that we will then send away in the united states for three months to train for a pro day in the spring and those are the international players that we are allocating to the different teams you know samus reyes this past weekend has never played football before in his life before this season and from chile he's on the roster he actually lined up and played yesterday. pretty amazing program that so you is got me awesome. from the uk it's baby very
1: cool that is so cool. That is really cool. All right, speaking of cool, Lamar Jackson, the huh. dude's pretty cool. And we are going to talk about him on our next episode of Tapeheads. That wraps it up for today. When we come back on Thursday, trust me, you are going to want to hear what Scott Pioli and Dan Orlovsky say about playing with Lamar Jackson and trying to defend Lamar Jackson because it seems impossible. We'll also get set for Bucks, Eagles, and the incredible story that continues to be Tom Brady. All that and more coming up. When we come back on Thursday with another edition of Tapeheads, Tapeheads is a production of iHeartMedia and the NFL. You can download the Tapeheads podcast on the iHeart app, Apple
0: Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.